Hey y'all, it's Kelsey. You know those people you meet just at the right time in your life, a right place, right time kind of thing. In the midst of some really big life transitions where I was processing some grief, some change, and honoring some inner knowing, my work life gave me an opportunity to meet, collaborate with, and learn from today's guest, Jasmine Burnett. With Jasmine came all of Jasmine, her healing energy, her soft but also loud joy, her commitment to pleasure. She reminded me that work, whatever work we do and whatever we call our work, can and should prioritize care. She redefined what it meant to create spaces for people and to actually invite people in as their whole selves, to honor whatever messy humanness we were sitting in before whatever was on the agenda. And for all these reasons and so many more, I invited Jasmine to join the show to share all the ways she is queering social justice work. Jasmine Burnett is a third generation Midwesterner who was raised in unions and lodges and identifies as a black lesbian feminist in the lineage of Audre Lorde. The impact of her work in the world operates as a social justice systems architect and engineer. She is a recognized national reproductive justice activist, business owner, trainer with the Rockwood Leadership Institute, and a writer. She is the principal and founder of Black Feminist Advisors, a training, executive coaching, and consulting practice working with individuals and organizations to support criminalized issues, people, and communities. Her most recent publications are in two anthologies, the Echoing Ida Collection and Sweeter Voices Still, an LGBTQ anthology from Middle America. She is also a lead writer for a new curriculum at Rockwood Leadership Institute and a participant guide called The Heart of Black Leadership, which was successfully piloted in 2021 and has been established as a core public training offering at the organization. It's such a joy to spend any time with Jasmine, and today is no exception. I'm so excited to have her here on Cool Queers Doing Cool Shit. So let's dig in. Hi, Jasmine. Hi, Kelsey. I'm so excited to spend time with you today and have a discussion about queerness for this episode of Cool Queers Doing Cool Shit. Uh, <laughs> I, I started this podcast really wanting to celebrate queer community because it's something that I've found as I've been exploring my own family connections, built connections, friend connections, community connections around queerness is that they often center care very deeply. And you are someone who came to mind right away when it came to people and individuals who are really embodying and exemplifying what care looks like in practice. So thank you so much for spending your time with me today. Oh, thank you so much. That is such a beautiful introduction. <laughs> well, I'm going to kick it off with a question that I'm asking every guest that comes on the podcast. And it really is about the notion of queerness. Um, I believe that queer is not just an adjective or a noun. Queer is also a verb. So I'd love to hear about what you're queering in your life right now. Mm -hmm. I am queering fun. Ooh. Yes. Oh my goodness. I This winter season was a hard one. Tell me. It was just rough. I mean, I wasn't feeling good in my body. Work was getting a little intense. A lot of changes were happening in my life personally, mm -hmm. and um, it was just not a season. And that's also the season that I was born. So I was trying to 
like settle into a new year and a new vibration with that. And um, I am ready to play in spring. I want more fun. Um, I think that there are so many things that are hard right now. You know, it's so easy to lean into the hard things and hard things remind me of things that are just like black and white or binary. Yes. <laughs> and so when I think about queerness as a verb, I think about how do you really thrive in a beautiful spectrum that you create for your own life? And it's like, it's so easy to think about for people who are caretakers and empaths, how to create that possibility for others and to bring your joy in from seeing them be so happy and joy filled. Mm -hmm. And so much has changed in my life where I've had to redirect my focus to myself that um, I am moving in a space of really just enjoying fun and joy and laughter and dancing and goofiness because I need that in my life. <laughs> I love your play. I love that you show your play off. I love watching you play on social media because it serves as an inspiration for all of us to also remember what it means to have fun and that it can look like getting up and dancing your ass off in your own room, in your own house. It can look like enjoying the herb of your choice and getting on Absolutely. with your day. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're queering fun. You're someone who brings a lot of fun into a lot of people's lives. And so I'm glad that you're doing that for yourself too. Thank you. Yeah. So you are an activist at the heart of your work. Uh, you offer your community, your wisdom as a Black lesbian, a Black feminist, an herbalist, and a reproductive justice activist. I'm, I'm wondering if you might offer the podcast some of your origin story and kind of what brought you to a place in your life where you knew that it was time to offer your inner knowing to leaders in social justice spaces. Oh, wow. That's such a beautiful question. Um, well, you know, I grew up a union kid, so it, I just know, like, I was very much like work a certain number of hours, overwork, all of that. And there, and I was also celebrated for overworking. Mm. So I wanted to find a way to do the work that I love without feeling like overwork was the only way that I could be successful. Yeah. So, you and I are both Capricorns, which means that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and then it's there's literally <laughs> wired in us to like care and think about that's work. No, that's all we know. <laughs> I, I just, it's, 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 it is a, it is a wiring. So then it's like the fact that you are, that the wiring is so like kind of habitual toward that direction, you know, based on how I was raised and the examples I saw around me and then being celebrated for always working, I, um, I had to find alternative ways to love myself because I had to realize that there is a lot of love can be poured into your work, but you need that much more love to be poured into yourself. And um, it really started happening for me when I moved to New York and um, really tapped into so many beautiful spiritual communities and gatherings of people um, in Brooklyn primarily, um, where really my mind was blown and 
I learned about altars and I learned about African spirituality and I learned about so many different pathways to liberation that involved the spirit, which felt really grounding to me. And um, as I got into those spaces and started to learn about elemental work um, and the work of the universe, I um, wanted to learn more about manifestation and ritual and ceremony and um, and herbs later in my life to really build that into um, how I fortified myself for the world. I mean, you know, you've got to be ready for this fucking world. Yeah. You have got to be ready for it. And you have to ready yourself in ways that you don't even know what you're going to be preparing yourself for in a day. Mm -hmm. So why not start off with some gratitude and some peace and some quiet with yourself? Why not be intentional about the crystals that you have, the fragrances that you have, the colors that you wear, um, the food that you eat, the music that you listen to? Um, so all of those things. Um, and, and when I think about Black feminism in particular, you know, so much of what the Come By He River Collective presented as a possibility model um, is something that really guides my life even today, you know, and so, and Audre Lorde and, and everyone, you know, all of the, um, the North Star Black Dykes in my conversation, yes. <laughs> you know, so I... I feel very held by their example and um, the possibilities for care. Mm. And um, I knew that I had to pour those things into myself because this work that we do in Repro, it can suck a lot out of you if you let it, especially if you're an empath and a caretaker. And I do know that those are roles that I occupy very easily that I have to, you know, battle against. And so even the medicine and the ritual and the ceremony that I hold for myself allows me to do that and to create healthy boundaries, not just in my mind, but with my body. So I don't just listen to what my mind is saying. Because sometimes your mind does play tricks on you and it does. That's true. It okay. does. Yes. <laughs> you got to listen to your heart. You got to listen to your body. You've got to read your energy and understand someone else's energy see if there's a, a good vibe or a not so good vibe and really tap into your intuition. And so offering that to movement spaces was the only way that I was going to be able to work in this movement. Mm. Mm. So yeah, like I just, there was no way. <laughs> right. There is you and you are showing up and this is who you are and this is what yeah. you have to offer. You just mm -hmm. said something so important. You said that you have to ready yourself for the world and I would love to hear a little bit about as you've learned yourself more and as you've changed and grown through the world and through life, what does it look like for you to ready yourself right now? Mm, damn, Kelsey. All right. Well, <laughs> what it looks like is um, waking up, truly being grateful for waking up. Mm hmm you know, um, I have had so much, I know so many people have had so much grief in their life with the, you know, pandemic. I lost a lot of family members. And so I'm just grateful to be able to open my eyes yes. um, and to have health. And I really do value and treasure that gratitude practice with myself when I open my eyes. 
Um, I always sleep with a crystal under my bed, under my pillow. It depends on how I'm feeling. Little <laughs> you know? princess and the pea vibes. <laughs> and period. And so <laughs> I do that. If I've had a really heavy emotional day, I'll put a glass of water under my bed, underneath my pillow so that it can kind of help me to balance and be in vibration with the water. And the water is a very ancient ancestor. So um, I just, I, I lean on the earth yes. <laughs> to, to support me in the ways that I just don't have answers for can you say more about water? I was in a space with you just a couple months ago, and you mentioned that you had placed water in the corners of the room. And can you share what that does for a space and why you intentionally choose to place water in space? Oh, absolutely. Water is a stabilizer, a neutralizer. It can create so much. It can destroy things as well. It can give things a new shape. And also, it's soft. Mm -hmm. And I find that um, we are talking and dealing in a lot of hard things in our movement space. And so I really lean on things that are beyond my understanding to bring warmth and care and softness into a space. And the very things that I do for myself, which I explained to you, you saw I brought into the room <laughs> that, yeah. that I was facilitating with you all. So um that's right, though, because caring for the self is caring for the space that you're in in its own way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You also just mentioned, sorry, you said so many important, powerful things that I don't want to just let <laughs> sit there. I want to play with them. Um, you you mentioned the uh, listening to our hearts when sometimes our minds play tricks on us. And that's something that resonates so hard with me because I think as this last year, I've been growing and moving through trying to trust myself more, trying to understand my inner knowing through therapy, through breaking my relationship with different substances, right? Like alcohol was something that I was using to actually mask myself from hearing my inner knowing. And when I took that away, it was pretty stark and scary to see what I already knew inside. And it was actually easier to listen to once I kind of removed this shroud of like, amplifying insecurities and amplifying the lies that our brains tell us. Um, how do you detach from the lies that your mind can tell you? Like, how do you tap into your inner body and heart knowing? Mm -hmm. I, whenever I'm feeling insecure, which is often, <laughs> you know, I ask myself, what is true about this? Mm you know, and I do a lot of journaling and I do, I talk to myself all the time <laughs> in the mirror because um, I have a mirror on my desk. I have mirrors all over because I need to make sure that, how you know, I think you have to determine how you want to feel. Yeah. If you feel something that doesn't feel great, then allow your intuition to guide you and help you to understand where it lives in your body, allow where it lives in your body to inform how you react to it or if you embrace it. You know, for I'll use a very simple example. I'm allergic to tree nuts. <laughs> and I know that I can be in proximity to them. I can smell them. I know that I cannot touch them. I know that they cannot enter my body. Yeah. 
So it's really about understanding, um, you know, and asking yourself, what do you, you know, there's a question. I love it when, because we can talk about all of the things that we hate. I mean, you know, we are yeah. knows how to complain and tell people off and what we do not like and what we are not about to be dealing with. It's true. But it is very difficult for us to say what we actually want. Yeah. And so, you know, and that helps us to manifest the liberation that we seek. So if we can express, I love it when I get to have a conversation with someone I really respect and admire like you, Kelsey, Mm. because it allows me to feel at home with myself and to bring that to community. Mm. And so, you know, I love that. And so like, what do you love? And really like, think about that. You know, if you're in an uncomfortable situation, just say, you know what? I love it when I can recognize I'm in an uncomfortable situation and I can move toward my highest light beyond this situation. I love this. Love is a tool to Mm -hmm. eat away at the triggers and traumas that might be coming up and telling us lies. Absolutely. Thank you for that. That's the only way. That's the only way, Kelsey. Love truly. Like you have to use love as a verb and Mm -hmm. it's cool. So you are someone who I learn from every day. This is one moment where I'm learning from you, but for real, like since the minute I met you and the minute that I've been in your space, I feel like I've been learning something new from you and it's just a big honor. And I can't help but think about the ways that you're just kind of blasting through constructs that exist in our world. Um, Both feminism and lesbianism, which are identities that you hold core and true to you, are community identities that have historically left many folks stuck and silenced intentionally, right? Like Black folks, Indigenous folks, trans folks. And yet here you are centering Black and trans and Indigenous folks in the way that you've intentionally built your team and the way that you show up at work and the way that you generate offerings for the clients that you work with and the community that you're a part of. Can you tell me about that journey? <laughs> Ooh, well, yes. Um, I think that the Black, my my Black identity was definitely cultivated by my family, you know, mm-hmm. um, and still is in so many ways being like a black midwesterner is an identity that i hold true and core to my my heart um and a black midwesterner from central indiana which no one knows where the hell i'm from which is (laughs) much because the people there are great anderson indiana is lit don't let anybody tell you any different invest (laughs) in my community period um (laughs) but i think that my lesbian identity you know it's so interesting when you get so embodied in a particular identity, like I was so embodied in my woman identity, my femme identity, um, my black identity. But then when I embraced my lesbian identity, it was like, you know, my family at the time wasn't really welcoming and they wanted me to trade off that lesbian identity to be more black. Mm. And so, you know, it was like, you know, so what I realized is that, you know, the more that I embraced um, the spectrum of identities that I hold and embody, the more that there was always an a, kind of an opposing side or someone else's vision for me or vision for how I should identify that was in opposition to that. And um, I just don't want us to have to choose. 
we yeah. should. No, it's tragic, right? I think that yes. identities often are posed at odds against each other. I've been in conversation recently with so many trans and non-binary folks who for a long time identified as lesbian and as they've gotten to know themselves and established their own gender identity, no longer fit within the quote unquote box of what lesbianism means and looks like. And they grieve the idea of having to leave that community behind. And that's not what is being asked of them, right? Um, Unfortunately, there are exclusionary folks that might be loud and make it seem that way. But um, I, I really celebrate and I'm so grateful for you bringing the like, how does it all exist at the same time? Yes, yes. And it just, and that, that is the thing that also makes me so sad about trans folks who, you know, kind of evolve through and occupy particular identities before. And now those communities in many ways are closed off and are violent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it is the most devastating thing to have that happen. You know, you don't, you, so a lot of people think, oh, we're keeping our community safe. No, you are harming people. Yeah, You are harming communities. And, you know, for me, I think lesbian identity and Black lesbian identity are very different. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I'm the Black lesbian identity of Audre Lorde. So yes. I don't know what other people's lesbian identities mean and do, um, but um, mine create queer possibilities. So I feel like, you know, I am 44. I'm so happy to be of this age. And also to have been out since I was 19. And so just really moving through what it means to be this age and to be moving towards um, and embracing elderhood, you know, and I don't consider myself an elder. Um, I think that is something that that people embrace you as um, and offer to you. Um, But I think that, yeah, it makes me sad. And also I hope for um, us to be more expansive, um, for us to challenge where we're hurting so we don't feel the necessity to hurt others. Mm-hmm. For us to ask ourselves, what do we think is missing when we make allow, when we allow and extend and expand? Um, because we cannot, I mean, we actually fucking absolutely need all of us right now we That's we right. cannot leave any single one of us behind with the way that the legislature looks and all of these things you know we have to ride hard for each other and so what does it mean to be in community in solidarity what does it mean to challenge yourself what does it mean to have consciousness raising i want more consciousness raising conversations i want us to have the opportunity to fuck up and say something bad and say something ill-informed and yeah. say something, you know, and, and be able to bounce back from that in support of community and not be canceled, you know, <laughs> like, yes. Right. And I want for us to not, because, you know, so many, there's so many ways that people, you know, in, in the spirit of being politically correct and saying the correct things really close people out and close off possibilities in that way too. And I'm not saying that that pain is not valid and not real when people do trigger you, but allow, where are the allowances for people to fuck up and to um, be restored through community? Which is at the heart of restorative justice, which is something that I know means a lot to you. Do you want to touch a little bit on kind of the foundational underpinnings of restorative justice and like what 
it looks like when you're applying that lens when you're doing your work? What restorative justice means for me and my practice is, is that you, you have permission to fuck up. Like you have permission to fail fast. You have permission to fail hard and you have permission to be held and lifted up. When you say that, I just want to say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because that's the thing. Like, you know, we are in a space and in a time where it is so easy to be carceral and abusive to people, you know, and because that's all we're surrounded by, you know, and so it's like almost we're being impacted so negatively by our environment that we're embodying that instead of what we know to be true, mm -hmm. which is why when we ask ourselves what is true about this and we listen for the answer, we will find out that actually some shit is not true. That's right. And, and, you know, and there, there are ways to, and some things are. You know, and, and it's, and it can be both at the same time. It can be true and untrue at the same time, you know, depending on your perspective and where you live inside of that experience. So we just have to be ready to flow with each other and to trust ourselves and to understand that it is a scary time for everyone. And we mm -hmm. are all navigating levels of fear and anxiety and angst. Many of us are in therapy, but a lot of us don't have community. This, we have still not dealt with the impact of what this pandemic has brought out and exposed to our, how it exposed us to ourselves. Yes. And a lot of people didn't like what they saw and still don't like what they see. <laughs> shadows, shadows are shadows for a reason, Jasmine. <laughs> and they are, and they sure are. But I think that we have to understand that we are dealing with people who are dealing with a lot of complex shit. Yes. Yeah. And we have to be gentle, you know, you know, lean on being gentle with each other. Start there. You said something earlier that tugged at my heart a little bit. You were talking about how many of the identity oriented spaces that we exist in, including lesbian identity, um, claims to push people out in the name of safety. And I think that mm -hmm. that's something that we unfortunately see a lot in terms of people pushing people out or being violent towards people in the name of safety. And it seems like there's something there in terms of that that's actually fear that's being misidentified as a desire for safety. Mm -hmm. And what do you think people are fearful of? They're afraid of themselves. They're afraid of who they will become by being influenced by people who are liberated. Mm. You know, um, I don't think, I think people lean so heavily on, on the binary. <laughs> they lean so heavily on it. They're like, the binary is the fucking gospel. And no one <laughs> it from me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, you are false friend <laughs> that may be the gospel for you in your household and that's the thing like if you want to be a binary human and live a binary life amazing for you thank you for knowing that about yourself what I don't want though is for those of us who are living in this spectrum expansive existence for you to come over here and fuck with us because we yeah. know what we're doing too like you don't want to be a part of evolution and, and progress and okay you get to make that choice good for you but I want to be over here and I don't want you to get in my way. And I actually, if I don't need your support, I don't want it. I don't want it. 
we're really good over here when you stay out of our way. I want to be over here with you. <laughs> the you binary are. bots, the binary bots can go be in their binary bot little hellhole. Yes. Yes. So you, you mentioned that you think that this fear is rooted. People are afraid of themselves and afraid of what's possible when we reach a place of liberation. And that's a really beautiful bridge to what I was hoping to ask you next, which is when you, Jasmine, think of a future where we're all free and where we're all liberated, what does that look like in your head and your heart? Everyone, say hello to my dog, Henry Earl. Henry, uh, hey. He's working in the background. <laughs> he's working in the background. Um, so when I think of a future um, when we're all free, I mean, we'll be as free to bark in the middle of a <laughs> recorded call as Henry Earl is, because, you know, like, I, <laughs> you know, I mean, when I think about, um, when I think about freedom, I think about, oh, I think about being able to take a deep breath. Mm. I think about um, not worrying about your bodily harm. I think about twirling at many different prides with hardly any clothes on, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and just being campy and free and fun and luscious. Um, I think about people really being able to explore the depths of themselves without any inhibitions, you know, as long as they are creating peace for themselves and their loved ones who surround them and love them. I think that that is, that is what I want. I just, I think that I want a, a world where particularly because I've just been really ate up by the ways in which um, the the brutal deaths of Black folks is just really eating at me. And just like how trans folks just are disappearing or, yes. you know, like, or how no one cares about Indigenous folks who are, who disappear, you know, mm-hmm. like just, and, and these, I, I want people to care. I want people to give a fuck about humanity. Like, and I want that to be expressed in how you treat people, have genuine care, like, you know, being neighborly, like actually being neighborly. Like, how would you want to treat someone who you are going to be living next to for how many every years or months or whatever? What do you want that relationship to be? And 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 be in that expression, be in that service, be in that vision and move through it. That's what it feels like in my head. I'm like, I have a strategy for that. But (laughs) in my heart, I just want it to feel soft and easy. I want it to feel soft and easy too. And when you talk about this neighborly activation of like, how are we treating each other like neighbors? It goes back to what you were saying of love being a verb and love being an answer that can literally be the answer to any question that we pose each other back and forth forever. but I'm also curious, I mean, you you opened this door by saying that you have the strategies in your head. <laughs> <laughs> what what are just some of the 
ways that you think we can get there? Well, I think we have to understand that we're we're not going to like everyone and we're not going to get along, but we need everyone to get this work done. Mm. Like we can get beyond the fact that, you know, you have personal beef with someone. So that is limiting the possibilities for this work. Great. If we could also get people who are infiltrators and eugenicists out of um, spaces that are meant for liberation, that would be amazing too. That would be dope. Um, that would be dope <laughs> as hell. I mean, you know, I, I'm just saying, I, I am inviting you to leave. Um, <laughs> With love. <laughs> With love. Um, we're over here really trying to do some things. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that my strategy is just really about cleaning house, getting lean and focused and allowing that to align us. Hmm. And then once we're aligned, um, you know, the base building, the strategy, the all of that comes. And, you know, I like to do the very unsexy work of social justice. Like I personally do not like to be speaking in front of big rooms of people. Mm -hmm. I do my best work by myself and with my team behind my computer thinking and dreaming mm. you know like I don't actually need to be in a room full of people to come up with the things that I come up with to create a liberated practice praxis and process yes the stuff I that we're doing in the background the mess is just as important as what we put out to the world absolutely so it looks cute but it's not it's not the work like people have a lot of beautiful visions for liberation and I'm so wrapped up in the vision and they the visions for me feel like a warm blanket mm. you know? but then I'm like okay so how do we do this how do we how do it get done? and I know if people would talk to me I would tell them <laughs> <laughs> which is also an invitation yes to ask Jasmine <laughs> if there's time I will give it to you. You got to talk to Corinne first though. <laughs> Corinne is practice support extraordinaire. They are an amazing human and have actually today is our two year um, firm anniversary. Oh, congratulations. That's yes. huge. It's, it's very huge. So we've been in partnership for two years and I know for a fact, my practice black feminist advisors would not be where it is today without the support and partnership and care of Corinne Sullivan. So I yeah, just want they to are them. such a good person. They really they are. are holding such important space. Mm -hmm. Y'all are such a good team. Yes. And let's not forget about Ash, who is also in the rotation. He's amazing too, in his own right. So we're just, I mean, and that's, it's so great. We're just over here building and growing and exploring and not being limited by what people say, this is how this process should look. And we're saying, what do we need? You're we such an awesome example that when you put out that energy, you attract the most. I mean, when I think of Ash and when I think of Corinne, I think of these radical organizers who are so deeply committed to the heart and compassion of their community. And so the fact that they are who ended up coinciding and like being a part of your work feels so right and so good. It does. Every day it does. So this is a good segue to talking about 
people and community and family. I'd love to hear who you call on for care because you're someone who, as you already mentioned a couple times, you're wired to be an empath. You have caretaker in your bones. And oftentimes when we show up in a space as caretaker, it can be easy to forget that we also are deserving of and need care. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about who you call on for care and how you pour that care back into yourself. Mm. Well, you know, honestly, a big secret, but not going to be so big of a secret right now. Um, I have to be coached into caring for myself. Mm. Because I know that I am so hardwired to be in service and to pull the love and appreciation from that and and embrace that as what I need, even though I may need something very different that I'm not even aware of. Yes. So that is really my Achilles heel. You know, I think that I want to model it so much in the world that sometimes it's hard for me to call on folks and I'm a Capricorn I'm a January Capricorn and we do not ask people for anything we will go through the depths of hell and then come out and be like actually I'm fine but let me tell you what I just came through that smells familiar (laughs) you too is that is that your life is that your vibration Kelsey (laughs) you know I mean the, the the whole practice of learning one's own needs it's so hard to keep it separate from all the other stuff that we get filled up on, right? I agree that it's so easy to show up and be like, hey, I have juice to pour in your cup today. And mm-hmm. that felt good to pour in your cup. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I have no language or practice or understanding of how to assess what my cup needs. Exactly. And uh, it's hard as fuck. Yeah, very hard. So that is what I am being coached through right now. And that is what my therapy is around. You know, one of the things that my therapist has gifted me is the question, what do I need? Mm. And every time I ask myself that question and I allow myself to receive the answer, no matter what it is, I will do it for myself. That is why I said I need more fun. And that is what I'm bringing and inviting into this season. Yes. So, um, Yeah, I think that I don't call on my people as much as I probably could, or maybe as much as maybe they call on me, because I'm also an older sister. I'm also the oldest grandchild. I, you know, I take on a lot of things. And when I think birth order is such a critical aspect of how we Mm. show up in the world or how we were birthed into the world, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, means so much. And so, um, That is, I, you know, it has been drilled in my consciousness to always care for others before myself, because that's what the oldest does. And that is what the oldest, you know, in my experience, girl child does, or the oldest femme or the oldest, you know, like, so I think that, um, and I, and I can't say that I didn't get any gratif- I haven't gotten any gratification from being able to do that but it, it makes it difficult because I'm like well I know what they're going through and I don't want them to think that I'm so fucked up or I need so much that like they have to stop what they're doing because what they're doing is important so again I'm prioritizing others and I am answering for them something that could be something that is really a gift that they want to give to me 
And so I have to realize that as much as I am generous with gift giving and offers, that people do want to be that generous to me. And I just have to embrace that. I have a hard time trusting people because my community has shifted so much. Say more about that. Well, in the movement, for sure. (laughs) You know, I was very um, immersed in, you know, racial and gendered community in this movement. Mm. And I still am in community with them. But, you know, it's like those were the people that I would talk to first and tell things to. And now, you know, because our values have changed, you know, we are not as aligned in those ways, but we're still in community. So I don't know. I think that we're in a movement space and we're in a time and I hold information that I don't know that unless you are a person who is signed, um, like my therapist, like I can't say what you <laughs> shared, <laughs> um, you know, the NDA type thing. I can't really, you know, cause I also have to protect not only the movement, but my clients, yes. not only my clients, but the communities that they serve yes. and work with. And so I am, I am navigating that aspect but knowing that I feel very at home with myself, but also understanding that I do have to lean more into a practice of requesting support Mm. and not only just relying on on that externally, like I have to actually take the things that I want to offer to others and absolutely offer them to myself. Yes. I want to understand and there's things I want to understand about myself. I want to understand why it's so easy for me to be so generous to others and not as generous to myself. I want to understand that about me. So I have to get into this deep, luscious, solo poly relationship with myself and really explore what that means for me and love myself first and see where that takes me and see who that calls into my life. Do you have an inkling of where it comes from? (sighs) what the inkling of what the inkling of why is it so easy Mm. to offer deep thoughtful care to other people and not to yourself because I love to see people experience pleasure yeah I do it is it is a high for me I am like are you feeling good (laughs) I mean I am a person who had a naturist workshop at sister song let's talk about sex like I facilitated that at sex down south and at the end of that we do a fire breath orgasm that I wrote Mm. right you through breath and connection with your body in an orgasmic way like I think that I like I really get a thrill off of that I am such a pleaser I, you know, and and, and that serves me well in many ways. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And many people are happy with me because of it, but (laughs) (laughs) yes, you know, we have to throw some camp in there. Um, I love it. (laughs) But then, you know, it, it kind of, I have to tilt my lens is what I am Mm. recognizing. So I'm not saying that I actually have it right or that I am clear. Like I know who my community is, you know, who they are. Um, I, I, there are individuals and folks who I call on when, you know, I have my local folks here in Cleveland, 
I have my movement folks in the broader world. I have my neighbors who are like trying to fight gentrification right now that keep me moved into the neighborhood. You know, like I have so many um, just kind of amazing touch points for community um, that, you know, I'm finding my way. <laughs> I'm so glad. Well, and you've offered us two really moving questions to consider and ask ourselves all the time every day, which is what do I love and what do I need? And those are two different but very important questions to kind of serve as guide rails as we meander through life. Um, we've been talking a lot in this house <laughs> about how the work never ends and how that can be both exciting and exhausting um, <laughs> in terms of our own personal growth. And I love that these questions are soft invitations to keep growing in that way, right? Like today I might need something different than I did two years ago today. Um, yeah. And two years from now, I might need something different. And mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for those questions that you've left us with. Oh, good. I love that so much. Um, again, I'm pleasing people. I'm happy. I mean, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I... I am happy for that. I really want our our folks and our movement and our people to be gentle with ourselves. And I hope that those, those are invitations and please take them and do beautiful things with them for yourself. Well, those are all the questions that I had for you today. I'm so grateful for your time on this episode of Cool Queers Doing Cool Shit. You are such a cool queer. I'm so honored <laughs> to know you. But I do just want to hand it over to you to close it with any other information that you want folks to know about, it, whether it's following you on social media or other work that you want folks to know that you're up to. Well, I'm up to some really great work. Um, I work with, with amazing folks through uh, my firm, Black Feminist Advisors, and um, we do coaching, a lot of organizational development, um, and we're just out here, you know, handling some really heavy, heavy stuff, but, you know, also luscious outcomes. Mm -hmm. You know, we, ha we handle the heavy with lusciousness and with care and <laughs> with gentleness and flexibility. So, um we are pretty booked, um, but I am right now exploring opportunities for folks to tap into um, a resource that I'm building called Black Feminist Practice Labs. Mm. And it's an opportunity for folks who are not the executive directors of their organization, who are really driving and moving the work on the ground, who no one really talks to, um, to have a space to workshop problems. And so I'm gonna um, launch that very soon, probably in June, July. And we are going to actually start the first session of it during our team retreat, which will be in September. So we're hoping, yeah. So we're like, we we want to be more than just a a practice that serves the people who know about us or who can afford us or all of those things. We we're really trying to figure out ways to help folks who have different means and have different access to still get support from um, a practice that is really rooted in issues that are for and of the community. 
and um, that makes them stronger leaders. So, and feel good about leading in this really difficult time. So you'll hear more from us, but Black Feminist is spelled different because I'm Black like that. It's B-L-K-F-E-M-I-N-S-T because um, Queen Mother Moore, who was a mentor of uh, Loretta Ross and of the reproductive justice movement, her birthday was just yesterday. Mm. Um, she passed at 90, but she said that we have to name ourselves yes. as folks. You know, so many definitions and identities have been placed on us. So that's why Black Feminist is spelled that way, because Queen Mother Moore <laughs> told me that I can name myself. So um, thank you. Thank you, Kelsey, for this opportunity and for this time and for allowing me to share. Thank you for your time. It really is the biggest gift of all. And I hope you have such a wonderful rest of your day. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you. That's all for today, my friends. I invite you to use the two provocations Jasmine offered us today as guides for you as we continue through the year. The first is, I love it when. I love it when I catch my dog rolling on her back in the sun. I love it when the bass from a great queer dance song moves through my shins and sternum. I love it when a loved one calls me right after I was thinking about them. I love it when I get the kind of sleep where I wake up in the morning and the last thing I remember was kissing Iman's head goodnight. I love it when I feel my friend's laughter in the room. And the next question was, what do I need? I need a nap on days that I've spent a lot of time in the sun. I need eye contact. I need clear communication. I need time to meditate on deep questions. I need an extra prop when doing yoga that opens my hips. I need reassurance. I need jokes and hugs. I need you all. I really do. Thank you for continuing to support season one of Cool Queers Doing Cool Shit. Be sure to follow the show on Spotify to not miss any of the upcoming episodes. Rate the show on Apple Podcasts and share your feedback and offer suggestions for future guests at coolqueersdoingcoolshit at gmail.com. Okay, all ye queers, take care, be well, and do something that makes you laugh today.